Counselor Accents Podcast. Two school counselors who love their jobs. Oh, and they happen to have Southern accents too. Bless their hearts. I am Kim Crumbly. And I'm Laura Rankhorn. And together we are Counselor Accents. Kim, we have a, a big star with us today. And I just feel like this is our crowning moment. Like we probably just need to stop these after this. Because where do you go after this? I don't know where we would go after after we have Miss Jill Cook on. Uh, this was quite a coup, if you will. So we're excited, very excited to have Jill on with us today. And as all of our listeners know, she is our new executive director of ASCA. And Jill, I was looking at your bio and Kim and I were going through it. And I was like, is there anything that she hasn't done? I like, I just finally said, Kim, I've got to stop. It goes on. After an hour of her reading your accomplishments, I literally took my tag off of my desk, my nameplate that said counselor, and I flipped it over. And I'm like, I'm not worthy because it's just like, that's an amazing uh, uh, list of accomplishments. You have done so much, even before you stepped into this role. And I can't, I mean, after reading your accomplishments, I am so excited to hear where you're going to take Aska and just to be on this journey with you. So but I want to know the journey itself. Yes. Jill. I mean, how do you, how do you get to the point where you're the president of, of Aska? Kim, stop asking. I know what you're doing. You're wanting to know exactly how to follow her path. So you can, uh, what can I do, Jill, <laughs> to take over when you retire? <laughs> Well, goodness gracious. Um, thank you both so much for having me. I am so excited to have a conversation with you and equally excited to be on this journey with ASCA. And that's exactly, Laura, how I look at it. It, it is a new journey for me, even though I've been at ASCA a long time. At the end of November, it, I will have been at ASCA um, 19 years. Wow. Um, so it, it's um, a bit surreal as as we take on this next adventure together. Um, but I would love to share a little bit, Kim, about my journey um, because it is absolutely deeply rooted in school counseling. Um, so I grew up in North Carolina and I perhaps maybe one day used to have had an accent. I, I heard know. it. Yeah. I, heard so it. I, grew up, I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina and all, all my cousins, I mean. It, I heard it right there. Yep. yep. We right have the accent. So I, I think your title um, of the name of your podcast is so clever. Um, I <laughs> love that. Um, so I, I grew up in Boone, North Carolina, and my whole time I grew up, it was, I had planned to be a music teacher. I never considered anything else. I, I sang, I was in band, I was in orchestra and, and I went to college and that's what my undergraduate degree is in is music education. And I taught um, K-8 music my first year. Um, I had three elementary, uh, three K-8 schools, almost 1,100 students every week. And I just did not enjoy it because I didn't feel like I was making the kind of impact I wanted to make on students' lives. And so I did a, a brief stint as a high school choral director and, and I was like, no. So I went back to school at UNC Chapel Hill, which is where I'd gotten my undergraduate degree. And 
started their school counseling program and got my master's in school counseling. And I just, I've said many times, I just really loved my time at UNC in that program. Um, Even though it was pre-model, I felt so prepared when I came out of the program to really understand about the comprehensive ways school counselors could and should work with students to make a difference. I I just, I, I really appreciate what that program provided to me and also the internship it provided to me. It was wonderful. I had a whole year in a middle school. So I was a middle school counselor in Reedsville, North Carolina for seven years. And oh, wow. middle school, it, I just love middle school. It's the best. So much fun. Um, so many wonderful people, great students, um, challenging students, interesting times. And I just, I, I loved what I did, but I was presented an opportunity um, by our superintendent to step into an administration as an assistant principal. But let, let me backtrack a minute back to when I was a school counselor. So one of the first things I did, like many school counselors do, is I did a career day for the eighth graders. I was the eighth grade school counselor and part of seventh grade. And so I you know, contacted individuals in the community, different businesses, industries, and asked them to come speak in person to our eighth graders. They had selected areas they were interested in. And one of the needs we had was for journalism. So I called the local paper and talked to the managing editor talked to the managing editor for a long time. And the day of career day, all the speakers were there. Everybody was where they were supposed to be. And this managing editor of the Reedsville Review was late. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have these 20 kids in this class waiting to hear about journalism. And finally, um, he, he got there and went to the class. Um, you know, let's fast forward now 20 Six years later, that was that's how I met my husband. Um, he I was hoping that was the story. Oh my uh, goodness! So instead of how you met, I met your mother. It's how I met my husband. Um, <laughs> because I was a school counselor. Wow! Yeah, so neat. Forget and, the Hallmark um, Christmas movie. I just listened to it. Kim, are you crying? Are you crying a little bit? A little bit. I love Hallmark movies. They make me happy. (laughs) Yes, that's so neat. That is such a great story. So I I, um, just, you know, so grateful that that brought us together. And um, so back to becoming an administrator, it's well, so my other stories, we we have three children in a year. So we had a daughter at the end of December one year, and then 11 months later, we had twins. (laughs) So we have, I was wondering how that was going to work, Jill. <laughs> so we have kiddos um, that are the same age as three of them for a while, a couple <laughs> weeks every year. Um, so they're all three are in December. And my husband um, has a son from a previous marriage, my stepson, who also has a birthday in December. So, oh my goodness. But, so we were at, um, a, a fast food restaurant in Reedsville and we had the kids with us try, they were little trying to navigate you know small kiddos in a restaurant and the superintendent of our schools pulled in got some food just sat there didn't really talk to us my husband at the time he left journalism and became the communications director for our school district and he just watched us and two days later he called me he was like how would you like to be an assistant principal? Anybody who can handle the small kiddos in a Wendy's can certainly be an assistant principal. How funny. 
So I'm like, sure, because we had a we had a shortage of administrators at the time in North Carolina, and so there were opportunities for provisional certification. Um, so I did that for two years, and then my husband's job brought us to Northern Virginia. Um, where he worked for the National School Boards Association for some time. And um, I was at an event with him at his new um, place of employment. And I met somebody who said, hey, my neighbor, he's the executive director of the American School Counselor Association. He's looking for a former school counselor to bring on staff. I was like, huh. So I applied for the job and I started at ASCA in 2001 um, as the director of programs. And so that's, that's how my work with the um, recognized ASCA model program, the school counselor of the year, with those things that, that are now very much a part of, of what ASCA is, um, I had the great fortune and beauty of being there as we developed them. Wow. Yeah. I I love that. And, and, you know, I have to just stop and say right here, how personable you are, Jill, how, and I know this is coming across to our listeners, just down to earth. I just feel that we can connect with you because your story is, you know, we all have stories like that, you know, not exactly three kids in one year. (laughs) And let me just say, if somebody saw me in a restaurant with my kid, the last thing they would do is offer me a job as an assistant. (laughs) Um, I am. Yes, that's I I have seen you with your children. And I have to agree. (laughs) Maybe a circus leader, but not an assistant principal. So Um, there were a couple of things that stuck out to me. A lot of things that stuck out to me. But I I wrote down, you said the word you were with um, ASCA, you were a school counselor, pre-model. And that word blew my mind a little bit because We've been counselors, you know, through sort of the evolution of the the model, but pre-model, like I can't talk to us about that journey, if you will. Um, Well, as a school counselor, so interesting. I was, I was actually thinking, well, let me say this. I landed the best possible job when I went into my first role as a school counselor. I was at the same school for my seven years as a middle school counselor. And I remember distinctly going to my interview. Um, The principal, his name was Jeff Parrish. He was a former school counselor. And when I went to the interview, he was like, look, I know what school counselors need to do. You will not be the testing coordinator in this school. That is the assistant principal's job. And, and, you know, he, he had me at that. I was like, please let me come work here. And so I was just so lucky to be in that position where the principal, and we know how important that relationship is, understood the role and, and he let me, create a program. Now, again, we didn't have the model terminology, but I did small groups. I did individual counseling. I went into classrooms regularly in seventh and eighth grade and did instruction. Um, I collaborated with teachers. I worked with the community. I did all those pieces. It just wasn't that what we didn't have then was that data piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, sometimes what I did was, oh, I like this. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it makes yeah. me happy instead of what's good for kiddos. It wasn't data-driven nor evidence-based always. Um, but 
certainly there were outcomes as a result of that, but not, not looking hard at the achievement and the attendance and the discipline data. Um, so, so, you know, I, though we didn't have those words and that the beautiful structure um, and framework, I, I saw it. And so when I was hired at ASCA, they had just started work on the model. And, and I have, you know, some of my first memories of being at ASCA were the, hearing those conversations as the model was being developed by this group of people. And, um, and I got to participate in some meetings then um, as it was being finalized. Um, once the draft came out, um, there were some revisions done before it hit hit the streets in February of 2003. So one of the beautiful things I really love as, as ramp was developed, um, because we really, once the model came out, that was the very next thing that happened. And, um, and it's gone through so many iterations. It's, it's evolved over time, just like the model has evolved, but I just, I really love seeing and reading about these programs and these incredible things school counselors are doing and seeing these amazing outcomes that about the impact on students and hearing, I, I love that you guys talk about this as stories because it really is the, their, their stories that are presented in this application. Um, and the other thing I've really loved over the years is some you know, RAMP is, it's an award. It's not the end game. A comprehensive program that impacts kiddos is the end game. RAMP is just a thing. It's a way to get there. If that's what you choose to do, it can be a tool for helping you be organized, but the goal is for a comprehensive school counseling program. And, um, and seeing how all those tools that are a part of that part of the model have made a difference. I, I you know, hearing about the uh, annual student uh, administrator agreement, that just having those conversations, the difference that can make in terms of what your principal knows. Oh, you have goals. You use data. Oh, oh. And then when you start collecting data, just sharing, hey, here's this unit, this classroom instruction unit, here's the outcome results. And then knowing that that can be a tool then to continue and to do what you need to do. It, it's an advocacy tool. And we, we, that's one of our, our platforms that we preach is, is we are a school counselor is a, is a leader mm -hmm. and uh, ASCA helps you be the leader in all that you can be. It gives you the tools that you need to advocate for your program. And we say all the time, blow your own horn, let everyone know. It, to me, I want everybody in this school to think this is the best thing going on is this school counseling program. And Absolutely. I hope everybody feels that about their own programs. And it's just what makes, you know, uh, it makes for a great school that school counselors need to realize all the power and that they have and all the, the resources that ASCA has if they will use them. So, and, so, so exciting. And we have preached about how you're not bragging on yourself because some it, Kim does. Kim has no problem bragging on <laughs> herself. But the other 99% of us do have a little bit of trouble. It feels like we're bragging on ourselves. And we've talked about how it's not about us. It's about our program. And we're grateful for things like National School Counseling Week that shines that light on the program, not the counselor, but the program. And so why don't we take a minute and talk about National School Counseling Week and the, the theme and just the development of that? 
Absolutely. And that, that's exactly what I was thinking about too, Laura, because sometimes we hear, oh my gosh, well, I, I don't need to talk about me during this week. We're like, no, no, it's about your program and the impact school counseling and school counselors have. Um, and so National School Counseling Week is always the first full week in February. So it, you don't need to guess the dates. You always can go to that first full week in February. So this year, I believe it's the first through the fifth. And the theme this year is all in for all students. And um, it's a play on the theme we will have for our annual conference in Las Vegas in July in person, knock wood, um, which is all in. Um, we're trying to be clever in terms of um, where our location for our conference will be, but I I adore, I adore all in for all students. Yeah. Because that is, for me, that is the heart of school counseling. Um, so we have on the ASCA website, lots of tools for you. We have proclamations, um, morning announcements, uh, goodies you can do. And we will have, and I don't know what they are yet, um, but in the past, what we do is something different each day, a photo challenge. Um, we try and make it very um, interactive on social media so everybody can share the, the great things they're doing. This year in 21, one of the things that will also be happening during that same week is that's the week we're also going to celebrate our all our state school counselors of the year. Um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and health considerations, we won't have this as an in-person event this year like we have done every year since it was developed. Um, we typically come to D.C., do things on Capitol Hill, do some lovely events, but this year will be virtual. So during this week, we will also get to highlight our finalists, our winner, and all the state school counselors of the year. So being on the lookout for some of those events as well. We've got some um, webinars planned, some good ones. We'll have our awards gala, but it will be virtual. Um, so it's going to be a jam-packed week. Oh, that's, we, we love it. We love, we, we're recognized, our school recognizes us <laughs> and they always are surprised that we're throwing out all, we're, we're giving to them, you know, and, and, but we're doing it with a motive and that motive is to, to promote our programs. Absolutely. And sometimes I know people go, but it's so weird if I'm putting the donuts in the teacher's lounge first my week. But it's like, no, yeah. it, it, I think thinking of it as an advocacy tool is absolutely excellent way to look at it. And um, but I agree, Laura, uh, Kim and Laura, both toot your own horn. When yeah. You can. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Jill, we have gone through some amazing times in history. So what a time to become president of ASCA uh, during a very trying year at, at best. So talk to us about, you know, I know that you've seen that the changes, we've seen the changes, more mental health issues, um, you know, a trend toward SEL. Do you see ever the, the number, the ratio student counselor ever decreasing? Um, that's a great question. 
And um, so a couple of things. So we, the way we calculate the ratio each year is based on information from the National Center for Educational Statistics. So typically there's like a year or two lag with the, the information we have and where we are in reality. So the current ratio is one to 430 based on that NCES data. And if you go back and look over time, especially the last five to seven years, I mean, this is decreased dramatically based on this data that includes K-12 school counselors um, in public schools. The number of school counselors has increased significantly. It's more than 117,000. So wow. we're seeing more school counselors being employed in public schools, therefore that decrease in ratios. And we know that's due to amazing efforts and advocacy work in the states. Our state associations, school counselors in the states, um, working towards state legislation that has helped provide funding to hire those positions, because that's that's where the real work happens. Um, there's a, only about five, somewhere between four and 6% of federal funding um, goes to uh, schools and school districts. It's state and local funding is where the majority of the budget comes from. So that's where the advocacy efforts um, make the most difference. So some great, great things happening across the country. You know, so when the pandemic started and as we've gone through these last couple months, you know, a concern definitely is, oh my gosh, you know, we know schools are going to have budget issues. Um, we know a year from now, um, it could be a serious concern. And so I've, I've definitely had concerns about what that means for school counselors. As we know, in the past, um, often that has been a place to start, especially at the elementary school level. And, and sometimes um, those positions are eliminated. However, what I've heard up to this point is those that's not happening, at least right now. And I do think it's it ties back to what you were saying. You know, one, one, I do think there are some impact of, of advocacy over the last 20 years and the impact of the model and school board administrators, superintendents, seeing the impact of the profession on student outcomes. I also think because of where we are, as you were saying, in terms of, you know, student needs, SEL, anxiety, mental health concerns, um, that there's a need for them. And, and I just keep hearing, well, absolutely, we will not eliminate any school counseling positions. And how do we get more? Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful um, as we all navigate the repercussions of, of this pandemic that school counselors will be there stronger than ever. Uh, which which makes me think, you know, what where where is our trend in school counseling? We have conversations with school counselors, and we have found that in some spots there's not enough. I mean, we're we're we have hired in our system. I know when I moved from one position to another, the the the, the woman that took my place was driving like two hours to you know, and and then in some places it seems it's hard to get a job. What does our trend uh, as far as going into school counseling look like? That's a great question. And I think what we are seeing and will see in school counseling is really indicative of education as a whole. But you're exactly right. There are some places where it's very difficult to get a job. Where I live in northern Virginia, um, there is often a 
new school counseling graduates um, have a difficult time getting a position. However, what we hear, especially in, in some of the Western states and rural areas, there are not enough qualified school counselors to fill existing positions. And as additional positions have been created, they're not enough. In, in Arizona, they had a big influx of funding for school counseling positions and didn't have enough. To, to fill those positions in, in um, the western part of Colorado. Same thing. They just didn't have people to fill the positions. So in Colorado, one of the things that happened is the Colorado School Counselor Association, along with the Colorado Department of Ed, they, they collaborated and came up with a way to provide training and information to those who may not have a completed master's degree yet so that they have knowledge and information and skills to still be able to do the job. I, I really think that is something we'll continue to see. I think it will increase. I've heard um, from the head of the Superintendents Association of the Secondary School Principals Association that they're hearing that their members are saying they're going to retire. They're going to leave education. That this is the stress has been too great. They're they're finding ways about how can they retire early. Um, I think we will see this across the board in education that there are going to be um, open positions without qualified people to fill them. So that's something we ASCA have to think about and look at and figure out how we can support our state associations and state departments of education as they wrestle with this. Jill, you you really, it, I, I'm so glad that, that you're speaking honestly, truthfully. We know this is happening and it is Absolutely. an issue. And you were looking, ASCA is looking at the future and how are we going to take care of this very real problem that we see across education in general. Yep. Are we you going to open your mouth and speak? I was. I was actually going to say that I have sort of a piggyback question. Um. I, I, in our school system, we have mental health workers and we have school social workers and we have school counselors. And it seems like we're seeing more and more school systems that are receiving grants, more states mm -hmm. that are receiving grants for these things. Talk to us about the relationship, the ideal relationship between school counselors, school social workers, mental health, and the trend that you see with that. Yep. That's a great question, and I, I really appreciate it. And um, so let me just say, um, at the national level, ASCA, we have the best working relationships with the School Social Work Association, with the National Association of School Psychologists. Um, that really, when I first started at ASCA, um, we didn't do a lot of work together, but but we, we really try at the national level to model you know, how we can work collaboratively, given there's certainly overlap in the roles played, but absolutely distinctions. So, and one of the resources we came out with this summer about school reentry um, in a COVID age was with, we created it with the School Psychologist Association. Um, so that said, so it's, it's tricky because Folks on the outside who don't understand the roles might say, well, why do you need all those people? Don't they all do the same thing? And so, again, comes back to advocacy. That's why it's so important that we continue to talk about what we do and, and why it's important and the difference it makes. But 
There is so much need. There is so much student need. There is a place for all at, in this. Um, it, I, my hope is that, and I understand, I, I'm, I'm not naive to the fact that it could some maybe sometimes feel like a turf war or that somebody's creeping into your area. Um, but the fact is we need all of these roles because if you're doing what a school counselor does and should do, and really if you look at the MTSS model, the triangle, and we're there at that tier one providing information for all students we're through classroom instruction, through all those things we do. We do work in the tier two level um, that's more intensive. But as we get to that tier three where there are more intensive needs, that's often where those others come into the picture. We need school social workers who are making those connections for families. We need school psychologists um, who are not only just the arm of the special education program, they, they also do counseling. They do small group work. If they're not, they should be. Um, but that if I love the fact that school districts are, are engaging outside mental health agencies. I would love if they could all be housed in the, in the school setting so that families and students could get that one-stop shopping and wouldn't have that added barrier of having to go somewhere else to receive help they need. Um, I also hope that would help with the stigma piece that sometimes comes from um, seeking mental health um, services. Um, but when a school counselor says, you know, I don't do therapy, I have I've done my individual counseling with you and you need more help and you're talking to the family and you make the referral. We know that often that doesn't happen once we make that referral. So having those agencies with whom school districts have relationships or having that service available in the school building um, will help make that easier because the fact is there's enough work to go around. There's enough need and students need all the support they can get. Jill, I love my pen. I just threw my pen. Threw it. Okay, that was the moment. Uh, I want to say, Jill, and when the leader understands this, and I and our and I just have to say because we're so fortunate, we have a superintendent in our county who um, has uh, our person over the school counselors. He yeah. gets it, yeah. and so we have a mental health ther therapist that comes to the school. We also have a social worker, and I do not know with the amount of mental health issues that I've never seen, like especially this year, um, I don't know what I would do without these people. And I know that we're fortunate. I know we're talking to people throughout the United States, and they're hearing our voices advocate for this, advocate to your leaders, let them know that this is happening in other places and what a difference and what a need that this is if you don't have this in a, in, in place already. And it is not a turf war. You're right. We do our job and they do another job. And, and our students today need this. I cannot imagine my world without these people. So uh, you mentioned the MTSS. Is there a plan to coordinate a training throughout all areas that ensure that uh, measures are met. Does that make sense? So I think so. Um, what I can say is we just released a book um, that ASCA has published about the school counselor's role with MTSS. 
Um, it's because certainly we know our, how we fit in that, but this really lays it out. Um, so if you haven't seen that yet, I would strongly recommend that. And I don't know if we've done um, any webinars. Oh, I'm pretty sure we have though um, around that, but certainly some of the professional development offerings we have will include um, include that because that's, you know, that's what schools look at. It's what school districts are looking at. And we need to be very clear with how we fit as school counselors in that piece. So that's a great resource for folks. Yeah. We have a book that's out there that folks can get and be looking for those professional developments. Seattle was amazing, I felt. Laura, did you, I mean, at the conference that ASCA pulled together? ASCA at home. I know. Uh, that, to, to pull something <laughs> that beautifully together, yeah. I just, especially, at, really, I think we've learned so much technically technology-wise about pulling these events together, but for this to happen when it did and you guys were able to pull that together, uh, it was really nice to be still be able to um, get with fellow counselors, and, and that was, you, you guys did a great job. Yeah, thank you so much. We're so proud of that effort because we weren't able to make the, the absolute call until, you know, we were about five, six weeks out, and because of Seattle hadn't said and Washington hadn't said no large gatherings yet. So we had to wait on Washington state to definitively say that before we could do things that were already in place in Seattle. But, oh, we're so proud of how Ask at Home turned out. Yeah. And it was so fun to hear from and see counselors. I, even though we were virtual, it was very energizing for us on staff. It was great. In the package you guys sent, oh my goodness, that it made you feel like you were connected to all these people, even yeah. though we were at a distance. Uh, yes. We still wear our t-shirts. That's right. Well, I, I think I have my mask in here. I, I always, love the mask. Um, I wear, oh, I don't have it with me today, but yes, um, mask is awesome. I get lots of uh, remarks when I wear that one. Aww. I, I'm, now I'm trying to remember where my mask is, my ASCA mask. I'm going to have to go find my ASCA mask. Can you call it a mask? Can we call mask, it a mask? We did call it a mask. To each other, we were going, where is your mask? So, and we ask, we ask we, this is how we, we're so, we're, we're, we're just. You're embarrassing me. I am. But this, I'll say, let me ask you a question about something that we know you guys have addressed. But, you know, I need, I need clarification. Let me ask a um, you know, we talked a little bit before, Jill, about how education, we've, well, maybe we didn't really talk about this specifically, but you know, education is never going to be exactly the way it was. We've had too, there's been too much of a growth mindset here, and we have changed. And, and um, how do you see the role of the school counselor in the future due to what we've gone through, how do you see the, or what we're going through, how do you see our role as school counselors changing? So that's a great question. And, and I think, honestly, part of the answer is, I don't know, and we don't know yet. But, I, you know, we, as we've talked about, just even in association world, we know now that virtual offerings will be here to stay in some capacity. Certainly, we want to get back to in-person events, but clearly, it was a way to engage school counselors that had never participated in an annual conference before. So I think for education, that's very similar. I know there are struggles and there are some schools and places that haven't seen students since March, but it's 
clearly a way to engage some students. I, I, my hats are off to you and all educators right now who are navigating all of this. I know some places are virtual one week in person, the next, you know, those that are hybrid and what that looks like. I mean, I, I, I am amazed um, with the resiliency and flexibility I have seen and heard from school counselors. And I'm also amazed with how school counselors ha have adapted. Um, you know, I've heard some great things about career fairs and weeks that have taken place virtually, virtual um, uh, job shadowing, um, you know, collaborating with the teachers to deliver SEL curriculum. Um, I know there are also challenges if you're trying to do individual counseling or group work virtually and all those concerns we know about in terms of confidentiality and, and things of that nature. But that said, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what education will look like a year from now, three years from now, um, and if this virtual component will be a part of it, um, because, and, and what that might mean. Um, so what I heard from a school counselor a couple of weeks ago who um, who's at a hybrid school, some are in person, some are online, and I really loved what she said in terms of um, the, somebody, I don't know if it was the principal saying, you know, oh, you just need to worry about your classroom instruction um, for those kids who are here in person. And she was like, absolutely not. I shall make sure that all students, whether in person or virtual, will receive a comprehensive school counseling program. And, and she noted, she was like, a lot of our black and brown students are those who were who chose the virtual component. So if, if we're really having conversations about equity these days, let's be equitable. And so having school counselors like that who are saying, regardless of how we're delivering this, all my kiddos, all the students deserve the school counseling program and I'm going to make sure they get it. And I think that all in, I loved when you said that's going to be, you know, the theme, because I think that that component of equity, equitable, is is that a word? Did I just make Equitable. up equitableness? Or equitability. I don't know. Thank you. That, okay. <laughs> you know, because that is so important and more than ever than, yes. that we are equitable with our uh, programs. And so I appreciate you saying that. Um, SEL, Jill, is... I know that's the big buzzword. I know Castle has just redefined that. I think sometimes counselors, from what we're hearing, are trying to to maneuver this world of is it the teachers who are taking the lead in SE? I mean, or is that where we're going? Uh, so, and I don't know if I'm expressing myself with this well, but where do you see our role in this push for SEL? And, you know, I think it's like the conversation we had about school social workers, school psychologists, mental health therapists is that, yes, and it's everybody. It's it's we are, this is our work. I mean, I think this is the work of education <laughs> and should be what we're about. And, and, you know, as you know, as school counselors know, the social and emotional development is one of our three pillars, one of our three domains. Um, so it's it's part and parcel to our work, regardless of what the national conversation is. You know, even what, three, five, seven years ago when, you know, career development really took a, a, a spotlight in the country. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it sort of swung now to the SEL, but it's not to say that for us, you know, yeah, we've been doing that. It's part of what we do. It's part of our program. So I think some of it might depend in terms of who takes the lead on, on your school, um, your school, your district, um, your staffing, whatever that might look like. But absolutely, school counselors have a role in this work. Um, the, the mindsets and behaviors for students, that's what that's about. It's, it's, and it's what we want students to have and know and be able to do when they leave our school and our school district to go on to the next uh, phase of their journey. Um, you know, that's the work we do. And it's infused in everything we do as school counselors. So, you know, absolutely. Do we want teachers? Uh, yeah, doing that work in classrooms, school counselors can support them, there can be co teaching, school counselors could manage it for the school, I think it will just depend on what it is and how it's being approached. But clearly, that is in a school counselor's wheelhouse. And um, again, let's not think about it. Oh, SEL, that's my thing. You you don't do that. It's yeah, our yeah. thing. I think that's where, um, you know, where we are, there are some disconnects with, you know, the teachers are getting these SEL lesson ideas and, and a lot across the country, they're being asked to do more SEL and you get the thought from, you know, a lot of folks in education that maybe that is only our wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. so I'm glad I appreciate what you're saying. I don't think at this time it can. I think we need all party, all hands on deck. If you Absolutely. Will. A minute ago, you were talking about um, this may be putting you on the spot, by the way. But um, a second ago, you said something about how you love seeing all the amazing things that school counselors are doing and how they're connecting it to a comprehensive school counseling program. Tell us some of the amazing things that you've been seeing. Well, I, I alluded to some of them. So I mean, yeah. what came to mind initially was an Steve Schneider in Wisconsin. Um, he's at Sheboygan High School, and um, he's the one who who shared with me about. And this was last spring. Um, so he he does a lot of work around career and technical education, and so he was sharing about how their high school students were doing virtual uh, job shadowing. Um, having those experiences. And he said, because they have more time on their hands and they're not running here and there, um, that the businesses in his district were willing to work with them to provide opportunities for students to, to have that experience virtually. Um, some of the businesses and industries were going to, if I'm remembering correctly, were going to have like open houses um, virtually for the students to learn more about it. Yeah, I think because we don't have the um, barriers of, of time and place and geography, I just thinking about all the possibilities that virtual experiences for students may have. Um, in, uh, I don't know, don't remember specifically where, but in, in Georgia, um, an elementary school counselor just doing, working with local businesses and industries to um, provide that career day experiences for her students virtually. Um, school counselors uh, having uh, clubs that meet after school virtually to, to, and that's a way if we're not able to do small groups, even 
if you had clubs um, in the brick and mortar setting, you know, we know students are craving that interaction and that ability con to connect with other kiddos. So if you're still virtual, um, whatever the group, the club might have been, continuing that work virtually so they have a chance for that interaction beyond just the classroom setting. I certainly see heroes, Jill. I mean, oh, we yeah. see them everywhere, but uh, for school counselors to go above and beyond, and we see it every day, um, you know, it, I, th I think this is an opportunity where you see the best uh, in people. And sometimes we do see the worst, but mm -hmm. gosh, we are lean. You know, it's just like a bright light when you see um, uh, when you see people going above and beyond. And it's just like it, it's just like an infusion, you know, yes. for everybody else. So uh, and, and we are leaders and in leadership, we're supposed to inspire and motivate. And so, you know, it's it's. Uh, it's, I know we got, we have, we've talked a lot about self-care counselors need to take care of themselves mm -hmm. because I, if they're like, I and Laura, we know that a lot of teachers are, they come to us with, they, there, there's a lot going on right now with everyone. So we've got to take care of ourselves, but I see so many people rising to the occasion. So thank you for spotlighting a couple of those. Yes. Jill, is there anything that you would like to impart to our to other school counselors, a word of encouragement or any last thoughts? Absolutely. Um, please know ASCA is here to support you and help you. We've tried very hard during the last eight months to provide resources and professional development and training and magazine articles that reflect what is going on in our world right now, whether it's talking about virtual education or about how to have conversations about racism and diversity and equity and inclusion. Um, and when we know um, those resources will continue to be needed, but we know that that things come up, we just didn't know we're out there. But our job is to support school counselors. And so you can do your jobs with students. So, you know, go to our website, participate in the webinars. They're free for ASCA members. If take advantage of a specialist training, we um, there'll be a new specialist training coming out with Next month, I don't have an exact date on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and it will be free because we want everyone to have that information and knowledge because it it's not that everything else is less important, but we know this is an important conversation to have. And it's what you were saying, Kim, about we, school counselors are advocates, and especially around this work, advocating so that all kiddos virtually or in person get school counseling, advocating for policies and procedures that are equitable to all kiddos as it relates to, you know, whether turning on your video when you're during instruction or not. I, I heard something about... They were required, some school was requiring that the students had on shoes or something like that. I'm like, oh, let's really, let's talk about what's important and, and what our goal here is with our kiddos. But school counselors are that voice in their schools and districts and states of being, about being advocates for kids. So my hats are off to you, um, not only during this time that is so challenging for all, but always. I know the impact school counselors have. I am honored beyond words to be the executive director of ASCA. Um, I love school counseling. I love school counselors. And um, I look forward to the journey. 
Thank you, Jill. Well said. And, yes. and ASCA has been spot on with the timely articles. If you haven't looked at November, right on with what we're exactly going through and, you know, questions being answered that's there in those publications and all the other resources. So take advantage of those counselors. I have to tell you guys, I told my principal and I tried to do it in a humble brag, like, the executive director of ASCA is going to be talking on our podcast. So I'm going to ask my calls to be held. And pl- so he has stood back here with his nose smushed again. <laughs> and every once in a while, he'd go peck, peck, peck. And then I, he would make, I would, you would see me turn a little bit and he would make a face. So, you know, it's that, so unprofessional. That's it's so unprofessional. I want that note. I want that note. <laughs> He knew how important this was to me. That I get, I think that was his way of saying, "Yay, you!" So getting uh-huh. you on here, Jill. So yes, I, uh, but that yes, he was pecking, trying to get my attention. <laughs> Unless there really is a need. Exactly. <laughs> I charge in if there's a need. <laughs> I could have totally misunderstood all of this. <laughs> Bill, thank you so much. Oh, yes, thank you. You. I can't imagine how busy you are right now. But you know, you're just so. You're just so down to earth. You're just one of us school counselors. So thank you. No, thank you, Kim and Laura, so much for having me. And thanks for your podcast. Like I said, I've listened to some of them. I've gone back and seen who your guests are. And you've got you've got those mover and movers and shakers in school counseling right now. And so kudos to you for reaching out and for having the conversations and and doing what you're doing to help further the profession. Thank well, you. listen, if we get to have that in-person conference, we would love to meet you. You'll see yes. us. I'm 10 feet tall and she's two feet tall. So you can't miss us. Well, I'm more in the two feet range. So uh, <laughs> I will look for you both in Las Vegas. Thank okay. you, Jill. Let's see you, see you in Vegas. See you in Vegas. <laughs> Take care. That was amazing, Kim. That She's really personable. Yeah. And down to earth. And I'll, you know, I, I thought that was really good interview. I'm thinking about I have a lot of questions. What makes me angry is it all comes after she's off. Yeah. You know, I think about all these things, but anyway, I'm going to see if she wants to host the podcast with me from now on. Oh, that's, that's unfortunate because she's already texted me. <laughs> And so we're buddies now. Okay. Oh my gosh. I I didn't say leadership. You just sent me a text that said, I said, leadership. Don't say it. I'm not. Did I really? You really did. You really did. You made it PG rated. And now we've probably lost listeners because they're offended by your filthy mouth. Well, sometimes leadership is leader. (laughs) All right. So I I want to start with a scenario and this happened has happened to me in my life as a counselor. And I know it's happened to others. It's after school hours. It's the weekend possibly. So just sometimes when you're not within school and somehow you are made aware of a student who has made a threat. Now let's just say, it's kind of a veiled threat, possibly. You could you would you could look at this threat as a possible threat because I think I want to make this scenario because this happens. I think if it's a clear cut threat, I think we would all know more what to do. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's eleven o'clock at night. 
and it comes across a threat somehow you're made unaware aware of a threat by a teacher or you're made aware of a threat by social media or some student or somebody is letting you know what how do you handle that that gives me chills just to think about really yeah. and and I think if you we see more of this in the middle school and high school because I had it even more in the high school but it happens sometimes in middle school and I think counselors have to deal with this yeah well, I think it goes back to that question of have we done our due diligence and what is that? And I think every state has different, every county probably has different protocols for self-harm or suicide protocols. It's not the same across the board, I don't think. So um, I think I would defer to what my school protocol is if we were in session. Um, and in ours, it's to notify the parent. I'd probably get my administrator involved just to make sure that I wasn't overstepping and um, even at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the moral part of this is that you just get help immediately. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's a veiled threat, um, the first thing is to get help. And this has happened, and it, if I cannot get hold of the parent and I've never not been able to get hold of the parent, I would call 911. Yeah. Because you don't want to You can't waste time. That's it. And and seconds can mean everything for that somebody to get to that child. And, and as we know and as we've heard, um, you know, we've listened to Carolyn Stone multiple times and it's not our place to judge whether this is a small a threat, a yeah, better to err on the side of caution. So uh, even, and this is going to happen to counselors who are in it for a while and especially within a certain age range. And so, um, yeah, I just think, I think the moral and the right thing to do is get somebody to that kid immediately, no matter what, and then take care of shoring up going back and revisiting that, you know, talk to that child when they're back at school, calling the parents and just double checking that, you know, everything is okay and making sure that the services that they may need are available to them. So, uh, and every time that has happened to me, it's, I didn't mean it. I was just, thank heavens, you know, but still there's what, what are the underlying causes of that? So that anyway, so do you have a scenario or do you have a story? I have a story. Okay. I have a story and um, this is, I'm not, okay, let me, let me put a disclaimer out there. Please. I'm not going to talk about the election. Okay. Right. We're not talking about anything like that, but this did happen on election day and it is election related. So okay. now that I've made you nervous and now that I have given you that uh oh feeling. Yes. Yes. I'm going to move forward and make it Good. better. Okay. So this is a story that was on the news, but it actually happened in our little town. Now yeah. I'm intrigued. Okay. Well, there were two men, Dwayne and Justin, who were headed to the polls. You're nodding your head. Have you heard this story already? I, our listeners haven't, Laura. Okay, but you have? I haven't. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so Justin was, he wanted to be you know, in line at 7 a.m. at the polls. So he pulled into the um, election place and he saw a man walking across the parking lot. Dwayne is his name and he was limping. 
And uh, so they were in line behind each other. And Dwayne told him, he introduced himself. He said, I'm Dwayne and I'm here to do my civic duty. And so Justin and Dwayne struck up a conversation. And Justin found out that Dwayne had left his home at 6 a.m. to walk to the polling place. He's 31. He lives alone. He doesn't drive. His parents think that it's best for him not to drive because he has cerebral palsy. So he was cerebral palsy. Am I saying that correctly? Am I not? Yeah, I think so. Cere okay. Yeah. Cere okay. Anyway, so he has cerebral palsy and he didn't want to wake up his parents or his brother to get them to drive him. He just wanted to go do what he called his civic duty. And so he walked to the polling place. And um, so he and uh, Justin struck up a conversation there in the line. They never asked each other who they were voting for because it didn't matter. They just, they struck up a friendship right there in the line. Justin drove him home, but took him to Jack's, which is a restaurant here in our town. Took him to Jack's first. They both got a biscuit, sat and ate their breakfast, and then he took him back home. What a wonderful, heartwarming story. And the oh, effort he went to, to do, as you said, his civic duty. That's just heartwarming in it that is. Justin would give him the ride home. And yeah. It's a great story. A, a heartwarming story. So this crazy time in election, it's just good to hear good stories come yes. out of it. So that's really nice. Yes. So this has been a very exciting podcast. And uh, so we want you to like us. Oh, well, that sounds desperate. We want you to like us on Facebook. No, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, I want you to like me. <laughs> I'm like George Costanza. I have, everyone has to love me. <laughs> we want you to rate and review our podcast. And Kim, you always say only if you have nice things to say, but I say rate us anyway, because, you know, whatever. Say it. Say, just say it. Uh, write and review us and uh, yeah we do have a counselor accents Facebook group where we share things we're good for a week and then we're not good for a week let's just be honest we'll we'll post things for a week and then we won't and we'll swear to each other we're gonna do better like with tears I promise you'll be better don't leave me yep and then we don't and we also have a website counselorAccents.com, where we post ideas and we have some fun things over there anything else that's it oh great we do have something you can okay. also watch these episodes on youtube okay now are you done Laura? Now I'm done. unless i think of one more thing of your with your promotion are you done i think i'm finished okay kim show us what your principal why well, i went to the door because i was really concerned hey there was a note that was slid under and i thought what if he was pecking not to be funny uh-huh. You know, pegging on the window not to be funny, but he really needed me. But I thought he was being funny, and this is what he'd left me. So proud of you, love you. So I have asked administrator. He's Let so me go see what my principal slid under the door. Hold on. Yeah, run over there. <laughs> she will oh, nothing. She does. She does. You've got a, you've got a great principal yes, too. You've got a great and she is. She loves you and you're yeah. So yeah. yeah. Just because you didn't get one but of them. But now, it, hey, when she finds out about that, just wait. Oh, it's on. Just wait. Battle of the Prince. It's on. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am getting back at it. <laughs>